Why Nickers? Bernard pulls the trigger. And this is a brand. Nickers is a brand. Allen Houston. Nickers means Lord. Once a neck, always a neck. This is another quarantine series edition of the Nickish Show. You got Mo and Nafi back here again, and um, we're basically here just to talk about the NBA and the Knicks and you know whatever else is going on. So, how you doing, man? Not bad, man. I'm gonna just stick to my my motto for this pandemic: we hanging in there, hanging in there. Um, feeling relaxed. It was I had a four day weekend, bro. I fucking I took Friday off because like I figured Ramadan would end up either Friday Saturday. I was wrong. It was either Saturday Sun or not Ramadan Eid would be Friday Saturday. Turned out to be either Saturday Sunday. So felt good. Friday off. Sunday month. You know Saturday Sunday. And then Monday obviously for Memorial Day. So it was like a little mini vacation, well earned, even despite this pandemic. But uh, weird Eid though, bro. Very weird. How was uh? How's it for you? Eid no Mubarak, doubt. by the way. Eid Mubarak to our listeners as well. Eid Mubarak, Eid Mubarak. It was good. I mean, you know, they lifted they they lifted some of the restrictions, so it was nice to be able to go out and just, you know, obviously use your common sense and your logic, wear a mask and all that. There's still some dumbasses out there who still aren't wearing their masks. But, I mean, I just hope that the numbers don't go up in two weeks, you know what I mean? So I think that's... Unfortunately, that's where we're headed towards. Two weeks for that second wave. Um, the number already surpassed 100,000, and it's worrisome on where, which direction we're going with. And you see all these restrictions being up withdrawn, but also people are trying to go back to normalcy to the best of their abilities. Barbershops are opening back up for some reason. Sports are trying to come back. The NHL actually canceled the rest of their season, which I respect that they made that decision. And uh, yeah. we're gonna dive a little deeper in, into the NBA in a little bit, and I mean, uh, talk about what of we sports think. Leagues, I mean, as a more parallel example, like the Euro League overseas, the basketball league canceled the season as well. So like that's like the second best basketball league in the world, and they just closed up shop for the season. But yeah, we got you know our league doing whatever it takes to get back out there. You know, for the good of the people, I guess the people must watch basketball. They need it. We fiending for it. <laughs> And obviously, Apparently. there's like a lot of financial shit that's involved with it that that are at least beyond me on like what what goes into it. But I mean, playoff revenue, bro. I mean, mm-hmm. I saw a joke on Twitter. It was like the Clutch Mafia, LeBron's people, was pushing up for it just for that fourth ring, and also like he he lost some money uh, through that China incident months back when he just stuck his foot in his mouth. You remember that? Mm-hmm. He said some mm-hmm. stupid shit about Hong that was, Kong. That was so. a bad look on him, man. So, like, and then they got, like, the Clutch Mafia, they defending for the season to come back so they can recoup some of that revenue through the playoff <laughs> or whatever the mm-hmm. fuck. You know what I mean? I believe it because, let's be honest, the, the only thing that really runs the world for sure is the almighty green. You know what I mean? I ain't talking about weed, so. <laughs> I mean, one could also make a case for that, too. Yeah. Both. Both is fine. Both is good. <laughs> That's my official stance. Well, I mean, all right, let, let's get into it. How, obviously, you and I would be happy if if we're seeing live basketball again, but we still have to use our common sense. We still have to use logic when it comes down to it. 
there's so many different situations, so many different scenarios that we got to think about. Who makes the playoffs is one. Do you continue the regular season? How does this go? How does this how does this connect with with uh, the future draft and where where seeds go? And does it even matter what seed you are anymore if there's no home court advantage? Are there going to be players motivated to play if they're not going to make the playoffs, or if if they are going to make the playoffs, are they still going to be motivated to play those quote unquote regular season games? There's so many things to consider. I don't even know where to start. Yeah, and just like as a spectator on the outside, way outside of what's of, of all the decision makers, all the discussions that are going around actually bringing the league back, we're fans, you know what I mean? We can't, we have like literally the outsider's view of everything, but with all of that being said, I mean, I operate under the motto of like better safe than sorry, like yo, ain't nothing wrong with just, from my perspective, obviously, I don't have billions or millions on the line. You know what I mean? I just think, like, as much as I love basketball, and you know, like, we're both just fiends with that shit since, like, we could just start walking. You know what I mean? But I don't know. Just better safe than sorry because it's like if one player gets it, right, they got to be isolated. I hear, I read the reports. You know, they're going to take their precautions, obviously. But then that one person gets it, they run into somebody else. I could guess, get it. They pass it on to somebody that's like – you know, pre or like predisposed to being more vulnerable to it. You know what I mean? Like, it's a chain reaction that, like, I I feel like in all good conscience we should try to avoid. But that's like bringing morale morality into an obviously financially driven decision. You know what I mean? That's sort of all about. You know what I mean? <laughs> Not to get yeah, all like, you know. Let's let's talk about health for a sec. Because if uh, if one player gets it, it's not just the rest of the team that can get it. It's, it's all the staff members, assistant coaches, coaches. All these guys are well over 40, 50 years old, and you're putting all their lives and their families' lives at risk. And then these players are definitely not in NBA basketball playoff shape. No way. And then once they come back and they're forced to play, who knows what kind of injuries we're going to see? Um, we've seen I mean, in previous <laughs> years and lockdown lockout seasons, players come back and they get into some serious injuries this isn't any different yeah funny enough though, i seen a you, you seen that picture of harden floating around so it looked like he lost like at least 100 pounds like yeah, best yeah. shape of his life <laughs> it's like all the strip clubs closed down locked down it's like it's the best thing in the world for him like he's actually <laughs> <laughs> focused on his craft you know what i mean he's he thriving back. right now as i was saying everybody come back they all look like they've been eating cheeseburgers for eight weeks in a row not harden out there dropping <laughs> a 50 20 can double 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 whatever the fuck <laughs> video game numbers you know what i mean but no, that's that's a valid point. Like, yeah, they said something about like, oh, they might have bringing a a mini training camp to help the players get into shape before they get thrust right into game action. But it's like, to your point about earlier, like in two weeks, first first week, second week of June, we'll see what the numbers is looking like. Cause like Memorial Day weekend, all I'm seeing on social media is just people just outside, definitely not social distancing, no mask in sight. You know what I mean, at pools, beaches, what have you. Like, from my vantage point, it looked like the city of Houston, the city of Atlanta were, like, the worst culprits, bro. Saw, like, this viral video on Twitter, 100K retweets or some shit about, like, a pool party. It was, like, people two inches away from each other. You know what I mean? Like, come on now. I mean, it's it's wild. It's, I don't know. We'll see. By the, by the time, like, I, my point, just going off that rant, is just, like, by the time we get to mid-June, I could see... We, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if the whole nation goes back into back to, like, super lockdown mode again, bro. Like, that's the realist in me, seeing what's happening, you know? Which could lead to, obviously, the NBA, like, their whole decision-making bullshit going out the window. Like, they might actually just cancel the season. So, we'll see. 
what do you think about the, what do you think about this whole bubble idea though? Well, I mean, as far as the bubble goes, I'm cool with it. If there are a few things I already checked for, so for example, if there's some form of testing that is ready to be done, and before everybody goes in here, they're tested and they're tested negative for corona, and they're all entered, then more likely than not, they're not going to catch it. But then, like, how do you how do you make sure all the media people are good? How do you make sure all the cameramen and all those guys they're they're good? If say hypothetically that they're all checked and they're all good to go, and they stay in that bubble as long as the playoffs are are done, I guess that makes the most sense. But there is very likely chance that all that is going to work out successfully. And what are you risking? You're risking people's lives. You know, it's not, it's just not worth the risk. Yeah. And it's just like, I'm still like trying to wrap my head around the idea of like, just like how would the headlines look? Oh, star player fucking who's bigger than Rudy Gobert. Cause nobody fucks with Rudy Gobert anyway, but like <laughs> motherfucking Kyrie Irving, let's say he comes back and he plays. Oh, he gets Corona. You know what I mean? How would that look, just given the fact that, like, four players on Brooklyn had corona anyway, season got canceled, they come back, another another star player gets it, like, and then they got to shut them down. And imagine, like, it's a star player that catches it during their quote-unquote playoff chase. You know what I mean? They got to be quarantined, and then, like, that team's just fucked in this in this playoffs, quote-unquote. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then you got the, the interesting question about, like, like I'll bring this up. I brought it up off offline, obviously, before we start recording. But like the Dame Lillard quote, he said, "If the Blazers don't get a chance in the playoffs, like he'll show up, he'll be in warmups, he'll sit on the bench with his team, but he's not gonna play. He's not gonna risk his own health. He's put to me is a reasonable, very reasonable position to have. Honestly, like, what do you make of that? Yeah, I I agree 100. percent If I were in his shoes, I'd do the same thing. I'd I'd tell the rooks or the young guys, go go get your minutes, go play. Uh, this shit doesn't count anyway. So if I were in his shoes, Rona. if I were... <laughs> Uh-huh. <laughs> if I were in his shoes, if I were in like Bradley Beal's shoes or or guys like that, I wouldn't want to play. Um, these guys need to, you know, save their health. But there are certain teams that I I missed the list. I think I think the Magic, I think the Pelicans, all these ninth or tenth seed teams still have a chance on making the playoffs. And I think they're in positions where they're wondering what is what it is what is the right move that they should go by. I know so far no teams have said no to playing. So. Uh, it's it's a it's gonna be a very interesting situation. Right now, we have they have slated July twenty second as as a potential start date for for all this. Yeah, I saw that. I also saw like just yeah, you know, just the whole thought process behind this. I don't know if we mentioned this in the last episode, but it's like apparently all the star players, all the star players like including like KD, LeBron, Steph, CP three. I saw Kawhi too. They all hopped on like a Zoom uh, conference call. To hash this out, decide what the superstar, the the, the fucking Justice League thought <laughs> the direction should be. And then, I didn't know that actually. <laughs> yeah, dead ass. I saw when I saw Kawhi's name in there, I was like, <laughs> he'd be the dude that show up to the Zoom call. Everybody got their webcam on. His shit is blocked. He's on mute. <laughs> he just dials in. Hey, Kawhi here. Goes on mute for the rest of the call. You know, <laughs> and he just ends with a goodbye at the end. All right, sounds good, fellas. See y'all. See y'all <laughs> at the games. <laughs> goodbye <laughs> signs off like but yeah i mean i don't know this is this all just seems like some real stupid shit but you made a point like what you when you brought up orlando memphis it came to mind that like that's gotta fucking suck these are the small market teams that were like in contention for playoffs in the season and then especially for a team like memphis you know like it looked like they were in for a long rebuild boom they get an electric rookie that looks like he's about to run away with the rookie of the year award this happens and like you know i saw like you know obviously you know 
so many corporations and shit obviously getting bailed out, going bankrupt and shit. But did you see the thing about how like the government sent out like uh, like a a program for to help like small businesses like a loan? Um, mm-hmm. One NBA team signed up for it, you know, and you would think it would be a small market team, small market team like the like the Memphis Grizzlies who would be strapped for cash during this crisis, right? Mm-hmm. And this was like a month or two back. It turned out to be the Lakers, which is I funny as that. fuck. You know what I mean? And I don't know. It just put, puts shit in perspective. Like, yo, but they did give their money back. So, do I? I would give credit to the Lakers for doing that. They I think they mistakenly. For, I think they mistakenly got it too. They said it was a mistake because, like, if it, I think they did it deliberately. But once they realized it was just they was the only team that did it. You know what I mean? They was like, oh, now we gotta give this shit back because if it comes out <laughs> we're the only team over the fucking yeah. Lakers that like took a, a, a loan meant for a small business how's that look you know but my point was just like it's kind of wild that like yeah these are all billionaires but some of them are quote-unquote broke billionaires you know what i mean like the lakers are like a mom and pop shop if you t- think about it like they're not owned by billionaire tech ceos the bus family the lakers that's it that's their business you know what i mean so i'm just thinking like to route to circle back to this whole nba coming back it's obvious why they're coming back it's not They'll, they'll t- obviously throw shit out publicly about, like, oh, we're concerned for the health, welfare people. But it's, like, this is all driven by money, bro. Especially after, like, the NBA's Hong Kong, like, just fiasco. Like, you know, what are you going to do? And when it, when it all comes down to it, is that this is America, right? Like, dollar signs over everything. But on a more serious note, more, actually, on a more positive note, um, Knicks made the hires official today. So I feel like... Today we can officially say, officially say it's the start of the Leon Rose era. So I mean, we we touched on the names last week, but uh, any kind of leftover thoughts from last week's episode about him or? No, I mean, I I liked his statement. He said he has a a good mix of people with different skill sets, and putting them together is there's gonna be a lot of collaborational work, which is great. I Perrin and Perry both have. Um, experience working together back in their piston days, so I think I think they each bring a, a unique skill set <laughs> to the table, and For I sure. think there's yeah. there's I think we're gonna see some good stuff out of them, honestly. Yeah, I mean, what I saw just like the article they put out, or one of the articles, I think it was NorthJersey.com, some random link that showed up on a timeline. I clicked it. It was it made note that like all these guys are like well seasoned, you know, experienced like like executives exact type of guys you would need around rose so that's fire and just what i thought was interesting was just kind of looking at the official titles and like yeah we saw the rumors but like it's clear that like rose has a vision of like taking the president's like role top as like the you know the emperor of an organization and like delegating it to different kind of you know portions of the organization you got i think it was brock Allen is going to be vp of basketball and strategy you got um uh, Perrin, he's going to be an assistant be- general manager of college scouting. But then also Zanin is also assistant general manager. We got two assistant general managers now. Mm-hmm. Before we only had one, and he was Alan Houston, which, I mean, friend of the podcast, you know what I mean? Uh, Nick's yeah. legend. He was, but, technically, he was technically assistant to the general manager. I mean, I, th- I thought he started as that, but then they made it officially assistant general manager. That's a fucking Dwight yeah. Schrute shit. I Get know, the fuck out of here. They did my man <laughs> dirty. No, you're not assistant general manager. You're the assistant to... Shut up. Like, that's just fucked up. They couldn't just... <laughs> He's Alan Houston. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. whatever. But I hope... Honestly, I feel like since we brought up Houston, I hope we retain him. Like, Rose, I hear... Um, he, he brought his people in now. The next stage, I heard, is just like he's going to start trimming the fat. 
in the org. Like, I think they mentioned that from the start when he came in. You know, he evaluated, he brought in guys he thinks would help strengthen us, but and it's now it's just going to be about, like, getting rid of the people we don't need because I think Perry made a couple of hires when he came into the org, right? I think it's most of the, most of those guys or all those guys are just going to be out of here. But Yeah, I mean, they're all, like, Craig Robinson was a guy. He just didn't do shit with player development and then yeah. um, a few other guys. But I think Alan Houston's been here a little longer than he he ran the uh, the G League, which is a very successful organization. He's been here for right a minute. Now. I remember yeah. Donnie Walsh hired him. Yeah, mm-hmm. so good man to like you know learn under. So yeah, I definitely want to keep Houston around just for that, just because the Knicks we've been a clown show for a minute. But despite all that, you know, even during all that, actually, the G League team was actually a rising force. Like it was ran well, developed a lot of guys that like turned out to be rotation players at the NBA at a minimum. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I feel like that's one of the bright spots of the organization, and Houston had a hand in that because once he was general, like you mentioned, he was general manager, right? So yep. have Houston probably build that out, you know, but do or actually give him a role in the organization right now, see what what he can bring to the table, what works so well down there, see if we could upscale it to what's going on in the real org. So yeah, I think he's an asset for the Knicks organization, not not just any team, but I think for a Knicks organization, he's a he's a very good asset. I think it's always be a good smart look. for Rose to keep him. It's always a good look to have, like, a veteran player, a veteran legend player of yours in your org. You know what I mean? I just feel like it seems right. Like, Alonzo Mourning got a role in Miami, you know? Yeah. You always see him at the game just sitting right next to Pat. Yeah. I don't know what he does, but it just looks cool as shit <laughs> that, like, Heat legend Alonzo is, like, running the, the Heat now. Somewhere. Yeah, the Knicks tend to do that. I mean, every game you, you see a legend involved somehow. Starks is always involved. He's always introducing guys in the for sure. this yeah. inner, in the uh, the court for pictures or whatever. Um, they're always doing media work. Um, a lot of those '90s guys, Sprewell is there, uh, Larry Johnson. They're always doing various things. I think the Knicks just—they're—they're all—they're all part of the organization. It's a good look for them to keep doing that, especially with Houston. But uh, I did want to bring up the the next part of the organization that's in consideration right now, because Shams uh, tweeted out today that the Knicks are looking for a new head coach, and at the top of the list is Tom Thibodeau, and all of Knicks Twitter. There's they're all going back and forth on whether or not he's the right move or is it Kenny Atkinson or is it retaining Mike Miller. You still, you still got the idiots who are saying Mark Jackson, but, I mean, we just leave them be. I don't know. We don't, we, don't, we don't pay attention to those. Exactly. That's we just like, leave them be. Th- th- those are the lepers of fucking Nick's Twitter. Those are like, <laughs> all right, y'all, y'all, y'all go back under your attic now. Shoo. Bro, shoo. You just, like, hit him with a broom. Get out of here. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. <laughs> but um, going after that, though, um. Well, the candidates you mentioned, and actually, main point tips being, I feel like this has been known for a minute, and we've been seeing these reports and rumors since Rose took over. Tibbs was tied to the, almost seemed like he was tied to the hip with Rose. Um, so I mean, yeah, he's that news definitely had Nick's Twitter in a tizzy, and to be honest, like I've been seeing Tibbs debates for a minute now. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, so what are your thoughts on Tibbs? Um, I mean, I'm of the opinion that I don't, ha- I don't hate it. I, I wouldn't. He's not my top choice. He's not like I dreamed of Tibbs when, like, the possibility – when Fizzo got fired, you know what I mean? I wasn't like, oh, he's top of the list, you know what I mean? Um, but I guess I'm indifferent on him. Like, I see – I definitely see there are some concrete negatives or, like, the perception to him. But I also feel like a lot of it is exactly that, perception, you know? Because I saw, um, you know, like – some of the back and forth I see, like Shwini Poo, he's also he, he had me actually come around on like tips. He I saw some tweets from him where it was like, okay, that that makes sense. And then today, Tommy Beer, that writer, he he's a writer for Forbes. I feel like we mentioned him previously, probably a year or two back. 
Um, P put out uh, an article today about Tibbs and then just had like a thread of tweets that is pretty convincing, bro. I mean, I just, before we dig into that, though, I feel like you have a more staunch, like, anti uh, Tom Thibodeau, like, uh, position. So, yeah, I mean, so speak on it. For for Tom Thibodeau, right? I don't see him as the right Thibodeau? coach for the... Thibodeau or Thibodeau? Tom Tom Thibodeau. I thought it was Thibodeau because cause his name is Tom. Tibbs, right? It's not Thibbs. Is it? I don't know. Tom Thib Tom Thibodeau. Tom Thibodeau. I don't, I don't know. Th- Tibbs. I'm now fucking up. Thibbs. Uh, Tibbs, whatever. Tom. I, Tommy Tom. Boy. Double T. T money. Uh, T squared. Tim's. Uh, New York Tim's. Uh, all right. So Tristan Tibbs. Thompson. He's also a TT. <laughs> Fun fact. All right. No. Nah. <laughs> uh, get, get to your point. Uh, Tom Thibodeau. It is Thibodeau, right? Tom Thibodeau. I don't know. Th- Thibodeau just sounds like we speaking with a lisp. Like you just burned the roof of your mouth. Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> <laughs> all right. All right. We'll call him Some Tibbs. Daffy Duck ass name. Tom Thibodeau. <laughs> <laughs> but no, nah, no, nah, all right, yeah, yeah. So, so Tibbs, <laughs> from where the Knicks stand right now, I don't think he's the right coach because we saw. All right, let's let's go with the Bulls for example, because a lot of people point to the success of the Bulls. The way I see the Chicago Bulls was he adopted a team that had already made the playoffs and they were an above average team that were ready to go to the next level. They were in Vinny Del Negro. They were forty one forty one. They made the playoffs. He took them to the next level. They won sixty two games. He was good. He took an already set team. Majority of the players were already over 25 years old, so they weren't as inexperienced as the current day Knicks are, and he took them to that next level. And then you compare it to the way he was with Minnesota with all these young guys, including Carl Anthony Towns, who you and I for a long time thought he could be the best player in the NBA just from his skill set. And Andrew Wiggins, he's a whole different story, but he still always had potential. Even though he hasn't fulfilled his potential, he still always had it. And I know when 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 Tibbs went to Minnesota, we all thought that that was a great combination. There's a lot of there's a lot of upside to to the Wolves, and we saw that completely flop. Now, what else is Tibbs known for? He's known for being a a defensive guy. He that's that's his strong suit, defense. Now. When you, I, I'm going to refer back to that Tommy Beer tweet that you just mentioned because I did, I saw that that tweet too. And in his article, he talked a lot about how Tibbs is very underrated for his offense, and because the numbers that the the Wolves were getting was very high as far as offensive rating goes. But when you look at defensive ratings, every year he's been there, they've been 26th in the NBA, 27th in the NBA, even 28th in the NBA, and they still had Jimmy Butler on that team. So his his stance on defense as far as that goes I I think that's overrated at this point now again back to where the Knicks are they're still a young group of guys and I'm not trying to see RJ Barrett play 40 minutes a game and have his legs run out the way it was done for many players in the past you saw Fizdale doing and then RJ had to be sidelined for I think a couple of weeks maybe even a month or two uh, it's, it feels like it's been so long since then, and I'm not trying to see that happen with Tibbs. Tibbs is not the right coach at this point. I think they need a, a player-developing coach, and I don't think he's the guy. Not that he's a bad coach. I think if they were ready to make that next step where they're a playoff contender for a year or two in a row, the way the Bulls were, and they had Derrick Rose with his raw talent, I think he could have been fine and even a good coach because he has ha- he does have that pedigree he does have that experience on multiple su- successful teams but with with this Nick squad it's a below average team not even mediocre he's not going to he's not going to get that 
62-win season, or 50, or even 40. You said a lot that I wanted to push back on, but I wanted to let you get it all off your chest because it feels yeah. like it's been weighing <laughs> heavy. Um, yeah. Where to start? Um, well, the Bulls by by no means were above average when he took over. I mean, if you, I don't know if you remember, but they were in the lottery when they won the Derrick Rose lotto, which is 2008. He took over 2010. And they had they had Rose for two seasons, and yeah, one I mean, of those seasons a, they made the playoffs. College finish. That's true, though. But they were also an eight seed, which like nobody expected them in the playoffs. That's why it was such a shock that they took um the Celtics to seven, which is a crazy series, by the way. John Salmons was fucking cooking. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a young D Rose like deferring the Salmons, but then Tibbs came in, and I was that was to be honest with you, I'm a former Tibbs fanatic. Like I was a stand for him. I fucking would have killed for the Knicks to hire him in 2010. I was begging for it. You could you could hit up the homies back then. I was talking to about that like in depth, like. So I wanted Tibbs, and I saw what he was doing in Chicago, and I wasn't surprised that they won 62 games because from everything you read back then, and which is still true now, he's a tape grinder, you know what I mean? So he's he's in the lab all the fucking time, quote-unquote, like perfecting his craft as a coach and just breaking out game tape to just pinpoint and make his game plans, and which is exemplified just by his st- – I think I – st- like which is exemplified by his sterling reputation as a defensive coordinator, as a defensive like mastermind, and – I mean, I was kind of focused on the player development, but it all ties together. But the thing with Minnesota is, Cat is just as much as we love him, he's just dog, dog shit on defense, bro. And this goes back. I'm consistent with this. If your if your big man is dog shit on defense, it's your team's gonna fail on the defensive end. It's done. And we we as Knicks fans, that's been exemplified many times. I like Cantor most recently. Going back to Amari way back hey, in the yo, day. Cantor, that name has not been mentioned on this podcast. Fuck in that a dude. long time. Fuck him. Kind of poetic that he went to Boston. It's just, why not? His son just just wanted to piss me off some more. But my point is, it's like when your big man is trash at defense, it just it makes it damn near impossible to scheme a defense to be average even. You know what I mean? And that's been exa- that's just proven across like NBA history. And I'd also bring up the fact that Tibbs left both Chicago and Minnesota. They both organizations not only fell apart, but they got worse directly the year afterwards with the similar same rosters. Like, and that cat balling out this year, right? Even with a healthy cat, they lost 17 in a row because their defense has got awful. Because cat couldn't stop like uh, a fucking beach ball blowing with a gust of wind. You know what I mean? Like, so that's <laughs> like I don't hold like the Minnesota's defensive shortcomings against them. And despite that, I feel like Rodney Max had player development. Cat, no matter what, I think was not built for his coaching style. And that's just like a generational gap. And Tibbs will even say that's like a blind spot for him. He's He had to take this time to adjust. You know what I mean? Because he's been, you know, sitting in on coaching practices, all these coaches across the league to get a better, you know, get a gauge of what the pulse of the league is like in terms of coaching. Um philosophy and also how to deal with players right and i think what screwed him in minnesota obviously was also he was juggling both the president and the coach role which is a that's a recipe for disaster even doc rivers couldn't handle it with the clippers that almost torpedoed the clippers it i would argue it did because he was a gm his all his moves around the fringes like those clippers teams in the last couple years had zero depth you know what i mean and that's on pr- 
president uh, Doc Rivers for screwing head coach Doc Rivers. You seen he was Stan Van Gundy too, like a coach slash president that didn't work out. So I think having that off his plate and just focusing on cho- coaching will revitalize Tibbs for sure. And I keep kind of pivoting away from the player development thing, but player the young players in Chicago got better. Dang went from an above average defender to an elite one that – yeah, he played mad fucking minutes, but he played all those minutes because his defense was elite and because Tibbs' coaching took him up to that. Noah, Dang, Gibson, all these guys will swear by Tibbs and what his coaching did to help them develop or develop into the defensive specialists that those guys were. And I think in terms of player development and also culture, we're the Knicks. We haven't had a good defense since Tyson Chandler won Defensive Player of the Year. And year after year, we keep talking about, yo, what happened to the 90s Knicks defense? Well, you got a guy that was part of the part of that era that also helped architect one of the greatest defensive schemes in NBA history through in the 2010 era. You know what I mean? I'm talking about his um his strategy to like overload the strong side and ice pick and rolls. That was that was him the architect with the Boston Celtics defense that was elite that year. And also he obviously carried it over to Chicago. And he didn't have the personnel for it obviously in, in Minnesota because I mean, to quote Jimmy Butler, them not to quote him, but he I'm paraphrasing, but he basically thought Cat and Wiggins were pussies. So like he got the fuck up out of there. And if if Jimmy, who loved Tibbs, wanted to get the fuck as soon as possible because of the kids there, I think I, that's partially why I wouldn't throw all the heat at Tibbs. I think he deserves all the blame for his shortcomings as a as a president when he was there. But I don't think he was a, he didn't have a great rep as a coach there, but I wouldn't say he was a total disaster. You know what I mean? Um, and I think he will be a benefit to guys like Mitch, RJ, the young guys, because they will actually be taught defense matters. They won't get playing time if defense was you know if defense isn't being played. Which to us, the last couple of years especially, I'm tired of seeing these middling veterans that not only are getting playing time over our young kids. But that are also getting that playing time and going in and not playing defense. Tip with Tibbs, that's not gonna happen, bro. You know what I mean? You know who's gonna play? Anybody that plays defense. Young, old, short, small, fat, tall. That's like Tibbs to a T. And I think I mean, not that I'm pro Tibbs. I sound like I'm pro Tibbs. It's just like I had some like nitpicks on what you were saying, cause I don't know. I mean, I think yeah, I mean, I wouldn't hate it. That's just my roundabout way of saying, like, I disagree with your points, but I also see where you come from. There is good hesitation to be with Tibbs because what if he don't adjust to the new NBA? You know what I mean? So Yeah, I mean, my my response is more so to people who think that Tibbs is the end-all, be-all, and they think that hiring him will be the best move, I think, from the three options. He'd be my third choice uh, between wait, Mike wait. Miller and maybe maybe Kenny Atkinson. I'm not I'm, I'm not sold on Kenny Atkinson just yet, so he might yeah, be my second s- choice. But my number one is Mike, on Mike Miller. Miller above everybody. Oh no, I got to hear this then. Like, what, what's the what's the reasoning behind that? It's more so on me not being down for Tibbs at this point. But, but Mike Miller, Mike Miller with the with the shitty squad that he had this past season, he his record if he played the whole season and Fizzell didn't, they would have won close to thirty games. Based That's off his true. winning percentage, I think That's his true. winning percentage was like thirty-seven percent, and when he calculated it out, it ends up being about thirty That's games. Sucks, and they yeah. did play a lot better. Their defense was much improved with with his scheme, where he wasn't defending the three as much. But back to back to back to tips real quick. The thing though with Miller though is it's like I want to stay on Miller for a second because I'm just blown away that he's the top above Kenny Anderson Tibbs. I'd say he's a comfortable third for me. So that's why I want to kind of stay on Mike Miller for a second because yeah. 
all props to him, like, coming in in a tough situation, you know what I mean? First time as an assistant coach for the next period, but then getting elevated to the big chair. And he definitely deserves all props for our defense improving so fucking much. You know what I mean? Weren't they top 10? I think you just mentioned top 10 in the last month or two of the season or the last mm-hmm. month or two that he was running shit. But the thing is, he still had the bad habit of just playing dumb lineups with the veterans that didn't make sense. Right. He had dumb so lineups wanna... playing lineups that didn't make sense. Yeah. And one could say maybe he was driven to do that to play the veterans to win. But it's also like, and maybe he was driven by Scott Perry and Mills. You know, they were telling him, you'll play the vets, do whatever it takes. But, and yeah, I'll give him props for being a good soldier then. He's trying to retain the job. But he hasn't also shown anything really concrete to say that his offense will will match what his defense could be. And if we're going defense only and one I would argue Tibbs is more not, is more of a high out, high upside outcome for a defense only coach cuz his offenses have a track record of being above average or good in the NBA. Mike Miller could even get an above average offense in the G League, bro. Right. That's a fact. <laughs> so, um with Tibbs' defense if you're going by numbers for being above average for Tibbs, you got to also look at the numbers for being way below average for defense for his last three seasons as a head coach with high upside players. Yeah, Cat didn't do didn't play dog, defense as dog well. Dog shit on defense, bro. Dog he, shit. he has dog shit. But isn't it up to a defensive mastermind to get him to play defense? That's the thing. Because even without Tibbs being there, Cat played worse defense this year. They lost 17 in a row with him. He, had, he literally, this year was a year where their whole Minnesota front office, they made it a point to... Uh, emphasize building around Cat, getting pieces that complemented him. That was even before the D-Low trade, and they were still worse, like defensively, even with an elite wing defender like Robert Covington next to him. You know what I mean? Like he, they was whack on defense when Jimmy Butler was there playing, like Ding up and locking up. And we know Jimmy gets down on defense. You know what I mean? Like I don't know, bro. We got to call a spade a spade. Like I am in love with Cat's upside. I would I would argue he's the best offensive center in the league, like including Jokic and. To me, that's a coin toss. You know, like Jokic, I, I put him above. If 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 I were to put him above, it would be because of his passing, obviously. But Cat can pass too. But when the defense is that bad, bro, he's a liability out there. And I think this uh, a year ago, I probably would be in the same like boat as you. Like, yo, them defenses underperform. I think Tibbs, the league is passing by, right? But then this year, after seeing cat with his preferred coach his surroundings to his liking no more meanies in the locker room picking on them you know what i mean i'm talking <laughs> about jimmy butler you know yeah. what i mean no no coach yelling at him you know what i mean yeah so now, he's being coddled and he still didn't perform he underperformed so i think it's that's more of a personnel thing than tips thing bro yeah now one more i mean obviously towns has his own faults but i think i think it has to be a point has to be made on how many minutes he's been playing since he first started, I think I think he's been playing the most minutes since Brook Lopez played all eighty-two games with that many minutes, and then we saw him missing for two seasons or season and a half or something. And before that, Yao Ming was trying to play all these minutes, but these are seven footers playing way too many minutes. And Thibs Tibbs kept that's 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 my main issue. It's just the minute distribution issues that you have with Mike Miller. I think those still those issues will still be there with Tibbs, even worse because he would rely on his vets way too much. Let me give you Derrick Rose as an example. People don't want to blame Tibbs for Rose tearing his ACL the first time, which I get. It is his playing style. That That's the main fault. But I want to point out Derrick Rose in Minnesota because at that point, he was a veteran. At that point, he's years coming off from his ACL tear, but everyone knows that he's always very he's he's always very uh, flimsy or he's always on fringe for another tear or injury. Yet, 
Tibbs would give him minute after minute after minute to play, and even if they'll have big leads, for some reason he'll still keep him in the game, which is which goes with issues that we had with Mike Miller this past season uh, with overplaying veterans, and that's something that I really see Tibbs doing. He's gonna he's gonna prioritize he's gonna prioritize winning by thinking that the more minutes the vets play, the better it's gonna be. And with Derrick Rose, when he played all those minutes, and even if they got the W. There are multiple games where that Rose had to sit out for immediately after those games because of a muscle soreness. After that 50-point game, I think he he missed the next three games, and then different times after that, he'll play over 40 minutes, and then he'll miss games after that. And once Tibbs was let go of, the minutes came down, and Rose's playing time, you know, he he played less minutes, but he played more games. What he prioritized. When you go back to Dang and Joe Kim Noah, their careers ended by the time they hit 30. Those minutes that those, all those miles they had to run for Tibbs, those those caught on at a point. They played excellent defense, but he did. It's not like he coached them from the very start of their career. He that's he true. got them yeah. three to four seasons afterwards after they are already coached by Vinny Del Negro. So that's that's my thing. I think Tibbs is better suited for a team that has a little bit more experience than the current Knicks do. And that's, I, that's I just, my I thing just, though. I'd argue the other way because he's such a stringent and hard like line coach. Like not to interrupt you, but I saw where you're going with that. I still feel like, to me, that's all positive because he's gonna come in. And he's gonna be that hard line voice in the locker room to get all these guys in shape. Like we we're not gonna be when Tibbs comes in. I assure you, I don't think we'll see Knox going in there playing timid and like not playing defense no more. And I assure you, Frank's gonna get all the playing time he needs and wants. You know, like I think organizationally we've been such a mess that we do need that kind of a voice that maybe we do need these players to be driven like to their minutes limits, their bodies limits for the first year or two, just for like that culture to be set to the, to the Knicks, to the Brett, for that culture to be brought back to the garden, bro. We, these players talked about it all the fucking time last year. Like, yo, we got to protect this house. We some dogs or whatever the fuck. Like now Tibbs is going to come in. He's going to turn our puppies into dogs, you know, like, and, Maybe. Those are all valid points. I mean, that's why I said, like, from the start, I was indifferent on Tibbs. I felt like my biggest thing was, like, perception-wise, he was getting more of a bad rap than he deserved. But his major downside being his management of minutes, minutes that's the most valid and probably, yeah, that's probably the only valid or most valid thing that could be said in terms of downside to him as a coaching. And that's why I said I was indifferent. Like, I'm a, I, I concur with everything you said. And, I mean, in, what's encouraging, I think, is – um. You know, in articles or where he's been quoted recently, he's saying he's like, he he called that out. He mentioned like he's seen how the league is handling load management, and you know what I mean, and how that's gonna operate. And I think going back to my point about him not being president coming in, I think when he came to Minnesota, he had that dual title, so he was more defiant. He's like, no, nah, I'm gonna do shit my way because in Chicago, I was working on his people. They wouldn't let me go all the way with my style. You know what I mean? That's why he got let go in Chicago. It was a big drama. He goes to Minnesota. He's a man in charge. He's running both the organization and coaching, right? He's going he's gonna to double down on his his methodology, and we saw how that went. Like, they had a success. They had their only playoff season under tips. That's, you got to put that in his, in his you know, accomplishment list too. But I think it, it came to a close, and I think that's a life lesson because he's going to come back in. He's going to be working from some, for somebody now, under somebody, you know? I think that's going to be part of – that's putting faith in roads to put an – put an arc or an infrastructure together within the organization that could support and, you know, keep Tibbs in line from his worst habits. And I, I also personally feel like it's not just fluff hearing Tibbs say he's paying more attention to how the league's, league is doing things because I think this is his one and last only shot as a head coaching gig. 
and he's coming in like humbled a bit because he saw like i mentioned he went he ran his own show in minnesota it didn't go as like ideally so he's gonna come in here to learn from that and maybe you know bend from his own like philosophy a little bit that's at least that's just me being optimistic about it because his his to be honest man his his pedigree is like is inarguable to me like you look mm-hmm. at his accomplishments and his resume like that's a that's a coach's coach that's probably the most accomplished coach we we'd have in the knicks since larry brown probably you know what i mean i mean listen as, as if he could just be saying this as a as a PR thing, but again, you're right. It, he does seem like he's been more humbled. He's these are one of his last few chances of being a head coach. Who knows? It's just it's just these minute distributions. Is it worth the gamble? Maybe, possibly. I'm not I'm not saying completely no to Tibbs. It's just I'm just worried that when he comes in, RJ Barrett's going to tear his ACL. Knock on wood. It's just fun. It's just funny to me. Like I get this is all valid. So I'm I, I I like put a disclaimer here that saying I get everything you're saying. It's all valid, but it's just funny to me the irony in it all. Like. We begging and pleading for for the last couple of years. Play the, our young players ain't playing enough. Play them more. Now it's like we got like some some terror at the thought of them being played too much. <laughs> I mean that's that's what Fizdale was doing. You know, Fizdale was overplaying the shit out of R.J. Barrett in his very first fifteen twenty games, averaging like forty minutes a game. It was and that that did a number on him. Especially, I think I think this generation of players are much different from the 2010 Chicago Bulls because all these guys are coming and playing AAU basketball. They're all, they all started basketball at the age of like six. You know what I mean? And there, I mean, there are tons of art. thing back then though. No? What's that? AAU was still a thing back then because I know Amelo and LeBron came up on the AAU. Yeah. I think, I think there are a lot of research. There's a lot of research being done. How, how much more oh, kids yeah. these days are playing too much basketball. And because of that, injuries are more frequent. And I, it's just the load management is a is a is a big thing for me. Kenny Atkinson, though, I think I'm not gonna lie. I don't know much about his actual game as a coach. All I know is that Brooklyn Nets flipped the switch and they played much better. They made the playoffs. All that is good. I can't speak for his defensive or offensive numbers, but from what I know, they're good. I only said Mike Miller over him just because I want to see some form of consistency. But I think Mike Miller, if they keep him as a, as a as an assistant and sign Kenny Atkinson as a head coach. And shift. Tibbs is really that humble, let him come in as a defensive coordinator. Tibbs ain't coming in as no defensive <laughs> coordinator under Kenny Atkinson. Kenny Atkinson's got one winning season under his belt as a coach. Tibbs, like, got a 62 season in his first year. To me, that's not a conversation. That's... Like, you know what? Let me make another disclaimer. I like Kenny Atkinson. Like, I, I'm impressed with what he did in Brooklyn and... To your, I mean, to your question about like just what his offensive philosophy is, he's a, he's a Mike D'Antoni, he's a Mike D'Antoni disciple. So mm-hmm. he, it's a primarily a pick and roll system. I think uh, last year I thought I saw the numbers; they were like, if not the the top, but like maybe top three in most pick and rolls la- ran. You know, plays pick and roll plays ran in that season. So I mean, that's his philosophy: a pace and space, pick and roll. Um, you get a rim runner like Jared Allen, you know, running to the rim. You got shooters spread out and, like, one ball-dominant guy. So we've seen it in Brooklyn. He helped develop Dinwiddie as, as that ball, like, you know, playmaker. D'Angelo came in, and I feel like he's overrated still, but he did he did improve, you know, under Atkinson. So, so And it seemed like the only coach to get, get through to D'Angelo up to that point, you know. Like, and maybe you, one could chalk that up to, you know, D'Angelo getting scared straight by being shipped from L.A. to Brooklyn within, like, his first two years. So I'm even debating give at, giving at Atkinson credit for that. But 
What I like about him, though, is just he's a player development guy. He worked at, for the Knicks under D'Antoni. That was his role, player development. He worked for Atlanta under, I believe it was Budenholzer during those uh, those 61 seasons, you know. So he's got that pedigree, and I think, I don't know, I, I would I prefer Tibbs over him just because of I'm just a big fan of defense. Like, I am fucking miss being defense played, being played at the Garden. I feel like I'm a fundamental believer if you have discipline on defense, it carries over through your whole organization as a NBA team because just look at just look at the most successful franchises. Miami always prided itself as a defense first org. Even when they had the big three, that was like they always brought that up, the big three back in the day. Like Spolster always talked about our our offense will take care of itself. It's a defense that needs to bring us to the promised land. So I think Tibbs is the kind of guy to bring that same culture to the Knicks. You know, it's got to be a ground up, you know, brick by brick kind of rebuild. And Atkinson, to his point, he did see through a really tough rebuild. You know, Brooklyn faced adversity. As much as we clown him, it's impressive that, like, they rose from the ashes without when they had no draft picks after probably the worst trade of the decade. Mm-hmm. And Atkinson was at the forefront of it, you know, alongside their GM, Sean Marks. So. There is that CAA connection as well, so it's probably going to be a comfortable fit with that. He's familiar with just being on the Knicks, but I don't know. I mean, you're still talking about you're talking about tips, right? A- Atkinson, no, he worked for the Knicks. Like uh, I mentioned, he was uh, on no the CAA. He, he was part of CAA. Yeah, Atkinson. Oh, I didn't know too. that. Yeah, so he's got that connection. Um, but yeah, that's my point. Like bringing Atkinson back to our discussion about Miller, I think the reason why I would take Atkinson over Miller is Miller. Yeah, we saw it in the NBA. He like he put together some proof and evidence of what he can do coaching in the NBA. But primarily his experiences in the G League. Atkinson, we'd seen more years, more evidence of what his chops are as a coach. You know what I mean? And to me, it's like along the same lines. Like they're both kind of player development oriented guy. Miller more so defense. Atkinson like offense. I think I would lean more toward Atkinson just because he's more experienced, you know? Yeah, but, I mean, if I were a betting man, I I think it's pretty likely that Tip is going to get hired. And yeah. they're, they're going to try to retain Mike Miller as an assistant coach or just coach of the G League. Yeah, and I was just going to throw a butt in there as in like, but I don't want to like, my butt was just me. I don't want to trash Miller completely because apparently I don't know if you saw but Macri tweeted it out he didn't tweet it out from his account it was like a reply to somebody but he saw that uh, he, he said that um um the Knicks are hoping that if whoever they do hire as coach if, they, if it's not Miller that they would retain Mike Miller as the associate head coach mm. like the second mm-hmm. deputy or the deputy coach basically which would be fire to me so get Tibbs and Mike Miller and fuck it let's go let's go rebuild let's have Tibbs turn fucking Mitchell Robinson into defensive player of the year you know that would happen you know, I have confidence in that. <laughs> yeah. Because Mitchell Robinson, he's showing elite chops on defense, and he's, like, still walking around like a baby deer. You know what I mean? He's still not, like, completely, like, a grown man yet. You know what I mean? And then Cat, it's, like, about a year seven, and people are just hoping he could just, like, stop two pick and rolls in a row. So <laughs> that's why I feel like we have a better building block. And RJ, he, he's a Canadian. Wiggins is a Canadian. But RJ ain't no bitch. Wiggins just seems like a goof. <laughs> that don't care, bro. Like, how you get Kobe comparisons? You come in and you the exact opposite of him personality-wise. Just like, like a happy-go-lucky kid that's just like happy to be here and gonna throw down some fire dunks every now and then, but mm-hmm. mostly be trash. <laughs> I mean, you see what what Tibbs had to work with, man. 
this podcast is turning me into like a Tibbs supporter. Look what you made me do. Damn, so that, that means my debate didn't do shit. <laughs> 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 Nothing I said went through to you. Nah, it's okay. It's, uh, I convinced myself. Nah, no, I'm playing. I'm playing. <laughs> it was mostly Tommy Beer. That article today really drove it home. I was like, fuck it. You know, I'm not. Yeah, I think you missed that paragraph about the. I no, mean, that's, the, all, that's all valid. Like, I'm, I agree. Yeah. Like, he's not a perfect candidate, but I feel like of the bunch that's been mentioned, like which has been three so far, I think he's the most legit to me. But we could mention some other guys that have. You brought up Mark Jackson. No. We both know that's a dumb mm-hmm. thing. That's a mm-hmm. fuck no from me. That's mm-hmm. a fuck no from you? Fuck right. no. Nick, Nick, Nick-ish, official stance, fuck no to Mark Jackson. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Jeff Van Gundy, people pining for that. Like, Honestly, I'm getting, I'm, I'm getting tired of just hoping out for Jeff bro. Van Gundy. It's, it's, just, it's just nostalgia. <laughs> he, hasn't, he hasn't coached in 20 years at this point. To be fair, he did coach like that G did, League USA basketball yeah. team in the FIBA tournament, but it was like it was our G Leaguers against the, the international G Leaguers. Apparently, is how I saw somebody put it. Which it's impressive they won gold, and up to that point, he didn't coach in what, like you said, twenty years. But I don't know, man. Like maybe the game has passed him by. Who knows? Because like I feel like that's the most risky hire. Just a dude fresh off of like a that long of a layoff. Hey, can you remember a time when a coach did that? They came back from. I mean, not the, coaching the, for 20 years? I mean, it just happened in the NFL. Um, you, you watch Monday Night Football, like, ever in no. the last decade? Okay. No, I don't so watch there's football. A, yeah, so there was a former coach on Monday Night Football, John Gruden. He was a coach in the NFL for a minute. He won a Super Bowl, um, retired. He became huge on Monday Night Football for, like, a decade plus. I want to say, like, 12 years. And then about two years ago, he went back to the league, and it was, like, a big deal. He got, like, a 10-year contract. You know what I mean? So I don't think Jeff Van Gundy about to get a 10 10 year contract from Dolan of all people but I wouldn't be I'm, I'm not going to be upset if he's not in consideration for the role because let's be honest there are probably more promising candidates within the league like oh Dave Yeager I want his name in the ballot I'd be interested go. in him I actually haven't seen that name float around a lot so no. boom yo that's a, that's a that's a good idea but I just remember that like he apparently has a reputation as like like a dickhead like behind the scenes like do you remember when he when he was at Sacramento? Remember they passed on Luca. Apparently, when Luca came to visit, like he was just shitting on his own front office for passing on Luca. He was like, "Oh, Did I really wanted him." Yeah, uh-huh. he was like, "I really wanted him," but you know, we had other plans. <laughs> I I <laughs> say that, that shit too. You guys bus. got Bagley over Luca Doncic. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I would say it too, but it's like don't say it when you work for the people that made that choice. <laughs> like, and then apparently, um, when he was at I want to say Memphis, yeah, he while he was at Memphis, he was still back door trying to like finagle his way into working at minnesota apparently like i seen that 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 was actually a thing a couple years back wow so i don't know if if you know us being like an org with that reputation of dysfunctional i don't know if we want to bring that agent of chaos in because he just seemed like the fucking joker you just want to see the world burn you know what i mean like fuck it fair point so but good idea though i like i like where your head's at <laughs> um Actually, I was going to mention one assistant coach that I saw like floated in a lot of articles, like smart people bringing up a lot, like uh, Ime Yudoka, assistant coach on the the Sixers right now, mm. but for like seven years before that he was on the Spurs, right under pop, played on the Spurs. Like you used to be a Spurs fan growing up. A lot yeah. of people don't know that on this podcast. Mm-hmm. <laughs> My man Nilo was double dipping back in the day. Oh, me, I, I, I know I know that is, but I, I mean, I mean Mo. <laughs> yeah, yeah. My you double first, dipping on the names too. Manu you know, Ginobili was the first player that i fell in love with honestly yeah yeah amazing passer i to, mm-hmm. the, to this day still think if you put together a highlight tape of 
every amazing passer's best passes, Manu will be like top two. You know what I mean? Yeah. Amazing passer, but I brought up the Spurs just because. Who did we mention before? Who the fuck are we talking about? Memphis, Minnesota, uh, Jaeger. Oh, uh, the Sixers assistant head coach. Oh yeah, Ima Ima Udoka. Yeah, so mm-hmm. yeah, he was like uh, played for the Spurs, um, worked for the Spurs, worked coached under Popovich. Then he broke out to go work under Brett Brown, who obviously is his Popovich disciple. So to me, as somebody that doesn't know much else about him, I think to me that's a good sign. Like you look at the Greg Popovich coaching tree. Becky so, Hammond is the name that I think should be in the ballot too. Yeah, I mean, but she's also in the coaching tray tree as well, and I wouldn't mind her too. New York Liberty legend, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That'd be pretty cool. I uh, have us breaking barriers, but um, yeah, the Greg Popovich coaching tree. You see Steve Kerr, you know what I mean? Brett Brown, he's been successful, arguably, you know. Uh, Mike Budenholzer. So if if Udoka is the next in line, we see the evidence. It's more. It seems like that. Popovich, you know, tree is more successful than a Phil Jackson tree, you know. So, I would give you do a good cool. shot. You mean Kurt Rambis wasn't uh, wasn't a good coach? I mean Jeff Hornacek was not exactly the second coming. So, <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, I mean that's somebody I heard like apparently is like a lot of people out there saying he's really um, uh, a good name to watch. And I saw a couple Let's years back on. he's apparently really on the Spurs staff when he's working with them. He was the, apparently the player relationship guy. Like, mm-hmm. he was, he helped uh, calm down LaMarcus when he would first join a team and shit wasn't, like, feeling right at first. He was apparently really big in that, like, bridging that gap. So I think that's a good sign, like, a guy that, like, could relate to players, you know, especially mm-hmm. since he just recently played in the league himself. But, yeah, I mean, that's a much more interesting name than Mark Jackson because, once again, fuck no. And yet, Nick fan after Nick fan, the one percenters, they all want Mark Jackson to coach this team. Yeah, I mean, and you also got people out there that are protesting their right to get haircuts. So, you know, there's a lot of stupid in the world, is my point. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, we'll see. Because apparently we're, we won't hear anything about this coaching decision for a minute. They're, they don't want to interview or do anything until, the, you know, the season starts and then wraps up or if it's canceled. So, we'll see. Um, any other tidbits to talk about? Because I feel like that coaching shit really took a lot out of both of us. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's that's really that's really it. That's going on in the NBA right now with the Knicks, and uh, the NBA might possibly come back, but here we are still talking about it. And uh, we haven't really talked much about the draft lottery and the players that we're interested in. I think we could save apparently that for another episode. A, apparently, we got a crush on Lamelo. Like I saw that recently. Like talks about trading up for him because he's our guy. Mm-hmm. Um, which side note, I started a 2K franchise because quarantine got me that bored again. <laughs> Fucking, I do the draft, I get the number two pick. I'm like, all right, Lamelo on my sights. Motherfucker, Charlotte Hornets take him number one. I was like, motherfucker. <laughs> I was so hyped to just get him with RJ, just like get like live out that like see what that would be like. You know, scouting for the draft. Obviously, this is for our podcast's purpose, professionalism. Right. Of course, say. of course. But um, I went with Cole Anthony. You know, best point guard on the board after that. So, what do you think about him? <laughs> uh, I mean, we could say this for another episode. I haven't done enough research, but from what all all I know is he's a six foot point guard. I think six definitely. Is he six foot three? Oh my bad. Uh, my my bad, Cole. Um, I mean, when he first, I liked him after his first game with North Carolina, and he erupted for however many game. points. Yeah. Um, but I haven't done enough research on him. A lot of Nick's Twitter aren't for him for some reason, and I I want to see that. A lot of guys are for Killian Hayes. And uh, all I know is he's a 6'5 point guard, and he has a lot of potential. So I do want to check him out before I p- 
put down my name for put down anyone's name for my yeah vote. i mean don't don't get it twisted i'm not expecting you to be like have full research done on them have a powerpoint deck ready you know what I mean to present yeah. on Cal Anthony because <laughs> to be honest I'm not even going to start digging into these like prospects like and by digging in I mean just like starting watching YouTube scouting videos yeah until we have a lottery date so I, I, I'm surprised exactly. so many people are that, digging yeah. this deep into into the draft especially for Nick's Twitter there's so many guys really getting into it and I don't know I don't know why but respect to them boredom <laughs> boredom yeah, amazing probably man. That. yeah but yeah I mean until next time yeah let's wrap the show want to sign us off Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, again, for everyone listening, thank you guys. Uh, follow us on Instagram, Twitter, at Nickish Show. Subscribe on YouTube, also at Nickish Show. And check us out on Spotify and iTunes and SoundCloud. And look out for some potential live streaming coming up. Uh, that's, that's in the works right now. But until next time, uh, stay safe, stay smart, and uh, we hope to see you guys again. Peace. Yeah, peace. Eat Mubarak once again and stay safe.